How many of you hate when plans get interrupted? Anybody like want to admit like you're very like type A, I plan everything and then something happens and then it just jacks with you and you can't like, you know, it, uh, and I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you, I messed up this morning. I came up, I had this nice sermon all made up. We're going to talk about Joseph and continue our Christmas story. And as we were singing some of those songs this morning, my mind started drifting to scripture. Never happened to you like you sing a song and, you know, when we sang that last one, I was thinking about the scripture. It says, you know, that, that if nobody praises the name of Jesus, like rocks will cry out. The rocks will literally begin crying out and worshiping the Lord. And so I was thinking about that. And so, and we sang another song and there was another, there was like a lyric in there. And so I started looking for this passage in my Bible and then I came across another one. And as soon as I came across it, I, it was like, I just laid my sermon down. I was like, this, 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 that's for another day. If you have your Bibles, turn me to the book of Titus. You know, last week we talked about, um, we kind of, I'm feeling festive this year. I don't know if it's because I went to Silver City and saw the Christmas lights. Uh, and I'm usually one of those like Scrooges that say, um, you know, let's, let's wait till after Thanksgiving to start celebrating Christmas. But my lights are already on my house. Uh, my tree is already up. And I didn't, I, yeah. And so anyway, for some reason, I thought, you know what? Everybody else is starting Christmas a little bit earlier. So we started our kind of Christmassy series last week and we tried to ask the, answer the question, uh, who is this man? And we looked at various scriptures where Jesus does something incredible. And, and even the disciples were left looking and saying, who is this guy? Like who, we thought we knew him, but he's even yet doing things that are blowing our minds. And for us, you know, it's getting to that same thing that we've got to answer that same question. Who is Jesus to us? And, and as I was thinking about, I, my mind drifted as I was singing. I was thinking about last week in that passage in John when it said, and the word became flesh, John 1, 14, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I came across this passage, Titus chapter one, uh, or chapter two, I'm sorry, Titus chapter two, Small, small book, very, page up like two pages, page and a half in my Bible. But what powerful words Paul is writing to, to Titus. And, and I want you to listen to what he says. We're going to pray and come back and kind of unpack this a little bit. He says, for the grace of God has appeared. Let that soak in for just a minute. The grace of God has appeared. It's not floating in space somewhere. It's not a, a thought that someone came up with. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you, God, for your word, for the timelessness of it. And God, I pray now as we uh, come together, Lord, our, our, our hearts engaged, our minds engaged, Lord, that for a few minutes this morning, Father, we would just be able to intently focus on your word, that God, it would wash over us that, Lord, we would receive it well. And, God, I pray that, that, that your spirit would be our teaching, our God. I pray that you'd be in our midst this morning. We know that the grace of God has appeared even this morning here today 
to be with us. And so God, I pray that you would just minister to us this morning for it's in your name uh, we ask these things, amen. I could not get past that first line, for the grace of God appeared to us. Now you think about last week and we think about this, this idea of Jesus and this whole, this whole holiday season. And you know, we, we, I, I, again, the Scrooge in me gripes that this is getting pushed back. Like it, I, we walked into Lowe's in October before it was even Halloween and there were Christmas trees going up. But on the flip side of that, I think as a Christian, that's good for us because it's this reminder that the implications of the Christmas season extend well beyond one month or one day in a given year. That we remember that it was on this, that, that this is the time we set, so we, we set aside to celebrate this idea that the, that the word became flesh, that God, the creator, the sustainer of the universe, he became flesh, that God's grace appeared to us. That it is here with, and that cannot under any circumstances ever be lost on us that we float through life. Like, listen, the grace of God has appeared to you and to me. And some of us have responded in faith to that grace. And we've said, yes, Lord, we believe that you are who you say you are. We believe that you are the Christ, as Peter proclaimed, the son of the living God. That you are God in the flesh, come to this earth. And then he, and, and, that, and Paul goes on, I love this. He says, he says, bringing salvation for all people. I, I can remember talking to, to one family that's currently in, in our church. And, and, and they, they had been in our church for a separate function. And, and they had, they had I, I can remember like it was yesterday, they, they, they had a, a car and they were pulling underneath the breezeway and I caught him and I said, hey, it'd be really good for you. Uh, we'd really love to have you come and visit us on a Sunday morning, come and worship with us. And I remember the guy looked at me and he said, man, if I come to that place on a Sunday morning, lightning will strike and burn that place to the ground. And I said, you spent all afternoon here and ain't nothing's happened. You'll be fine on a Sunday morning. And I say that because there's a lot of times that we have this mentality in our heads that that, that Christ could never forgive me for what I've, if you knew what I'd done, if you knew what I was capable of, you knew the thoughts that went through my head or the things that I've done in my past, God would, but he doesn't say, if you're good enough, I can save you. He says that salvation for all people, that when the grace of God appeared, it brought with it salvation for all people. Are you a person? then salvation has come for all of us. It doesn't matter what our past looks like. And thank God you didn't know me 20 years ago. And how true is that for a lot of us? That we get these clean slates, so to speak, to come in. But on a spiritual level, God's saying, listen, I'm gonna give you a clean slate beyond what you can ever even imagine. I'm gonna wipe it away. He says, your sins are as scarlet, but I'm gonna make you white as snow and not the dirty snow after we've been driving on it for three or four days. That fresh fallen snow that makes you put your sunglasses on when you go out and decide to brave the cold to shovel your driveway because there's a purity to that. There's a beauty to that. And he says, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your sins that are scarlet. I'm gonna make them white as snow. That's, what, that's the clean slate that Jesus says he's gonna bring to us when we repent of our sins and we turn to him in faith. So the grace of God has appeared to us, bringing salvation to all people. And he says, and so then he goes on and he writes, training us 
to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So not only does he save us, but we could also use another word that he sanctifies us, that he sets us apart. He trains us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. We don't sit on a fence and, and straddle it saying, well, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Church, listen, if we could just for a moment close our eyes and if God would give us the, the grace to be able to see what life would be like if we would, if we would just surrender to him, if we would, as that song we sang, if we just say, yes, I will, Lord. If God could give us a glimpse, like I think it would blow our minds the peace and the joy and the blessing that would come over our lives if we just say yes to him. Now that yes means different things to different people. For some of you this morning, that yes is, is a yes to receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. For others of you, it's saying yes to, to living for him in a way that you never have before. Some of you, you know the yes that needs to be said. You don't need anybody to tell you right now, I'm gonna say, you need to say yes to something and bam, that thing's gonna, that's gonna, things gonna pop in your head that that's something that God's been, been, been calling you to do. But he's training us up to renounce this ungodliness and to live these self-controlled, upright lives. To, to be the church. To be who God has created us to be. To live in this freedom and, this, and, and, and in this new slate that he's, that he's given us. That as he forgives us for our sins and he washes us white as snow, that he sets our life on a new course, on a new direction. Like Jesus coming to this earth isn't just a reason to celebrate a holiday and get a couple days off of work and, and exchange gifts. Like there is a significance to the fact that we celebrate his birth. That there is an imperative here that if, if he is who he says he is, and he is, then there is a response in us that isn't just in a month or a, or a season but it is a response because his, his, his coming to this earth, the implications are life-changing. Not just season-changing or mood-changing, it is life-changing. And we come in, and you know, I, I appreciate David's, David's honesty. David is a, a, one of my best friends. He and I talk on a weekly basis. And I know exactly where he's coming from. And some of you, if we sat down and we talked, it would be no different. And we, we look at those things, but here, here's the beauty of, of, of what God offers us, that even in our most hopeless situations, we have hope. Why? Because the grace of God has appeared to us. This is not, this is not theory. This is theology. This is not some man's idea of what I hope things would be like. This is the reality of the believer to say this is life for us. That though I was hopeless and living in darkness, I can, God has called me out of that darkness into his marvelous light. That I'm living in chaos and now I get to live in peace. Like that's what, he, that's what he's, he, he's saying to us. And at some point in our Christian lives, it has to go from theory to a theology that has to go from for I hope to I know. And here's, what, here's how that typically looks in our lives. In order to get from theory to theology, God often allows some difficulties to come into our lives. 
And I could go back, I, it, it is a, it's a story in the scriptures that is filled, you can use this as an illustration for so many of life's problems. And I do it, if you've been with me more than two Sundays, you've heard this illustration. But think of Jesus' disciples and they're on the boat. We talked about this, I think, last week. We did talk about it last week. They're getting on the boat, they're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. Seasoned sailors, storm blows up. They think they're going to die. But you know what? In that moment when Jesus stepped up out of the hole of that boat and he told those waves to be still and that wind to stop, there was something happened in the hearts of those disciples. It went from theory to theology. It from what I think I know about God to what I know about God and how it's going to impact my life. It went from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. And if we're not careful, sometimes these storms of life come up. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to use those things to push us away from God. He says, well, if God really exists, then why would these storms be coming? Well, the disciples could be asking the same question. Jesus told us to get on the boat. We get on the boat and the storm happens. Why? Jesus had a purpose in it. There was a purpose in the storm, Peter talks about the, the trials of life being the fires that refine our faith, that the impurities rise to the surface. And sometimes those impurities are, are, are things that we falsely believe about God. And they need to rise to the surface and God needs to wipe them away so that what we know about him, what we believe about him, what the scripture says about him, that it begins to be the thing that, 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 is the, that, that, that firms up our faith, that purifies our faith. That when those difficulties happen, when those trials come, that we know that we have a God who is faithful to us. And if he led us here, we can guarantee one of two things. Either he's going to lead us out or there's something he wants us to learn about him in the midst of this struggle. But I'm going to be honest with you. I often miss those. I do. Because I mope and I sulk and I'm oh, woe is me, life is so difficult, why can't life be a little bit more easy? Why can't things be perfect? And I miss out on God revealing incredible God things to me because instead of looking at what hurts or instead of looking to him, I look at what hurts. The grace of God has appeared to us bringing salvation to all people that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this salvation, listen, we tend to think of being saved and we, we wanna cast this thing off as some salvation. Someday I'm gonna be saved. Someday I'm gonna inherit eternal life. Some, excuse me, someday I'm gonna live in heaven. But that salvation for us is right now. That salvation isn't someday, it's this day. It's the choices I make and David couldn't have been more true, more right, when God gives us a choice. I can choose to live in my fear. I can choose to wallow in my sorrow. I can choose to feel sorry for myself. Or I can choose to be joyful. I can choose to have hope in Christ. Listen, to, I love what he says in this passage. Look what he says, that, that we are, he's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Boy, that's a timeless phrase, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people outside of our walls this morning that need to see the hope we have in him. Look, because look what it says. 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In some respects, we're waiting for his appearing. We know that one day God's gonna appear in the clouds and there's gonna be the sound of trumpets and the dead in Christ are gonna rise first and those who serve him are gonna fall and are still living are gonna follow after him. But you know what? There's another appearing of his that we don't have to wait for. That you and I, this morning, there, there's some things we know for certain. We know that Jesus came. We know that Jesus died. We know that Jesus rose again. We know that as Christians this morning, the Bible tells us that when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I cannot begin to explain the technicalities of that. All I know is that when I receive Christ, his Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of me, that his presence is with me. And so when I talk about the appearing of the Lord, when, when, when Paul's writing to Titus, like they're looking ahead to Jesus coming back. But for us today as believers, like, yeah, we're looking, we live in an anticipation of that. We're anticipating that, but at the same time, like we've got to understand that we get to live in his presence every day. That we need to live for him and with him. And, then, and, and, and there's a hope that is generated by that who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now I'm gonna wrap up with this this morning because I have just messed this poor band up because I gave them the end of my sermon before. But here's the thing. We are in this, this holiday season, right? We're in this holiday season and it is a time... You know, we think of a time to give and we think, let me encourage you in this this morning. When we think about what Christ has done in us, maybe you're here this morning and, and you know, you look back, I can still remember like it was yesterday, being in a, is a building called Upper Deneen on the McHenry College campus, living a season of, of rebellion, a season of, of what I thought was freedom, and all that freedom brought me was an imprisonment. And I can remember going to a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting and not having a clue what that guy even spoke about. I remember he gave a good old invitation at the end of the deal and I might've been the only person that went up there. But I remember going up there and just bowing. Actually, I was sitting on my hind end and curled up in a ball with my knees pulled up to my chest, just, just weeping. I was 19 years old and I'll look back on that day for the rest of my life and know that was the day that God did something in my heart. And I'm telling you this morning, God wants to do something in yours. You may have been, listen, I didn't get saved that day. I got saved as a young kid, but you know what? It really didn't have a whole lot of teeth in my life. And the same may be said for you this morning. Maybe you prayed a prayer at some point and maybe you even got baptized at some point, but you're looking back on your life and, and you just think to yourself like, man, it just, there hasn't been the change that I thought there was. That all this stuff that the preacher talks about and these songs that we sing, like I wanna sing them, but, but man, they're just like a cap over my heart and I don't understand what's going on. Maybe for us this morning, it's just that God needs to do something new in your heart. 
God needed to do, maybe you've just been going through the motions. You get up and you come to church, but nothing else changes. You read your Bible, but nothing else changes. Maybe it's today that we realize that the grace of God has appeared to us, that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us to give us hope, to bring salvation to all people, to change our lives so that we would be a people set aside for his, that would be set aside for him, zealous for good works, zealous to see people come to a saving relationship with this Jesus that we know and love. Not a life that is apathetic to those who don't know Christ, but a heart that is burdened, laying down our rights and our desires and saying, God, there are people out here who are dying and will go to hell unless I go to them with the gospel. God, may you break our hearts as we stand this morning. God, would you help us to understand today that God, your grace has appeared.